0: Health isn't just about what you eat, it's about what you are thinking and feeling too. If you've been following my podcast, you know that I am extremely passionate about talking about mental health issues. And today I'd like to talk about ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. You might have heard of it, but if you haven't, you need to listen in because too many times we misdiagnose and too many times we label people who are struggling and who need our help and support and not our judgment. Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Unapologetically KK. I am back here talking to one of my favorite guests, one of my biggest supporters, Dr. Tharaya. Hello, Dr. Tharaya, and Hi. welcome back. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really, really appreciate you doing this because I love coming here, talking to you. I keep throwing things at you saying, can we discuss this? And can we discuss that? And you are always so supportive and say, yes, let's do it. So thank you so much. Thank you for
1: including me in, in this. To be honest, I love having these conversations with you. And I find them to be so easy anyways. (laughs) I appreciate that.
0: So today we're talking about ADHD, which is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us something about that? Because I think there are a lot of misconceptions and a lot of things people don't know. And I think it's a term that people tend to throw at their kids Uh, quite easily saying that they lack attention, they lack Mm. focus. My son turns around whenever I tell him to say, study and, you know, you need to be sitting in a place and he turns around and says, oh, I have ADD. And I'm like, you don't even know what that is.
1: Yeah. So unfortunately, with a lot of mental health terms, people are using it haphazardly as an adjective rather than um, for what it is in its actual diagnosis. So ultimately, um, ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a very complex neurodevelopmental disorder, and uh, it is a part of the mental health disorders that we work with. What it is is basically a cluster of um, symptoms that Mm -hmm. have to be present for at least six months, um, f- and have to occur after the age of six in order for the individual to be diagnosed with ADHD. So ultimately, we do our best not to diagnose children below the age of age of six, even if we find symptomology. Mm-hmm. So. There are two types of ADHD. So before, uh, I would say before the DSM five, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, it's it's sort of like the mental health professional's guidebook um, Mm -hmm. and diagnostic book. So ultimately, before the DSM five, ADHD was sort of split into two. So it was either ADD, which was attention deficit disorder, or ADHD, which is which was attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So basically, what happened after the DSM five is that we combined the two. Uh, together. So now it's just ADHD. So, any kind of diagnosis that you'll get, everybody will be getting the same diagnosis of ADHD. However, there are specifiers, which are either the combined presentation, which is having both inattention and hyperactivity and impulsivity. Or um, inattentive presentation, so purely, uh, predominantly inattentive, which means that they show mostly signs and symptoms of inattentive, mm-hmm. uh, inattentiveness. And then finally, there's the hyperactivity slash impulsivity presentation, which is mostly predominantly they have um, hyperactivity or uh, impulsivity presentations or symptomologies, but not enough to be classified as inattentive as well. So there are three different specifiers, but the diagnosis will always be the same, which is ADHD.
0: Right, and is this something new? Because when I went online and I was researching it, there were a lot of different uh, definitions for ADHD and ADD where they're saying that some said that there's the difference of hyperactivity, some said it's the same thing and it's now been reclassified, and some said, no, they're two completely different things.
1: So in their presentation, in the way that you see it in an individual, they will show very differently. So it's not that they're they're different, as in, you know, they're completely on different spectrums, but ultimately they might have a little bit of both in each. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the difference, the main difference, is whatever is predominantly presenting. So for... Yeah. What used to be known as just purely ADD or now ADHD with inattentive presentation is the idea that a person has the cluster of symptomology that's more on the lines of, um, you know, gets distracted easily, cannot focus, can't organize themselves. You know, there's there's a lot of symptoms on that end versus the hyperactivity presentation is usually things like, you know, can't sit still, constantly fidgeting, moving around all the time, can't wait their turn, quite impulsive, like jump... uh, Uh, interrupt um, conversations, things like that. So they present differently, although you might find a little bit of both in each one.
0: Yeah. So I do have some of these symptoms here and a lot of them are what you've already mentioned and then just go through them uh, one by one. Self-focused behavior, inability to recognize other people's needs and desires. So they are unable to actually think somebody needs something from them and they're just Within themselves, thinking this is what I want, all the time.
1: Well, not necessarily in terms of being self-focused, but it's it's just that there's so much information that's there Mm -hmm. that for them to process all of that information is very difficult. So actually, the biggest misconception of those that suffer with ADHD or ADD um, is that they can't pay attention or they can't focus. It's actually the quite opposite. They focus on everything mm. so they're not able to selectively focus
0: right they can't filter things of what exactly. is required right now it's exactly. just that they're overstimulated right absolutely yeah so that was one of the things is that they are constantly faced with stimulation mm-hmm. and unable to kind of process that like you're saying um they they do keep interrupting because again obviously they're not able to understand that they have to wait their turn or or this is you know socially this is what is acceptable they just have a process and they Say what they have to say because it's so urgent in their mind,
1: and that's for those that are um, ADHD. So those that have the hyperactivity, impulsivity
0: factor, but not the necessarily the inattentive side. Right, and then the problems with playing quietly, the inability to finish tasks, lack of focus, emotional turmoil. Mm-hmm. So this obviously has an emotional impact, of not course. just of you know just going about their day and being hyper. This is affecting them. Uh, because it's causing distress. Mm -hmm. Because as you're saying, there's just too much information that they're facing. And that can be quite tricky for a child not knowing what they're going through Mm -hmm. and to have to constantly navigate through all of these different things without being able to break them down.
1: Of course. And especially for a child when they get excited, because children anyways, they haven't learned to emotionally regulate yet. Mm-hmm. So when they're when they're younger and they're so excited about something, they're looking here and they're doing this and they're doing that. And then they're like, oh my God, look a bird. And then they turn around, oh my God, my mom came. And then there's just so much that's happening for them that they actually feel very overwhelmed. And when they look at other kids who are not as overwhelmed as they are, they feel left out. They sort of feel like there's something wrong with me. There's something mm. that's different about me. And then they start to feel that sense of I'm not like others, mm. which is which is very detrimental on the self-esteem and the Absolutely. confidence as a child gr- grows up. But you're up.
0: saying somebody as young as that can... You know absorb that can see that in their environment can understand that something I'm I'm different oh yeah and not absolutely. in a good way no no absolutely something that 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 harms their self-esteem-hmm of course you know even at a,
1: a younger ages when we're talking about one and a half two years old when children aren't yet able to speak and not able to express themselves you'll notice that they get quite frustrated they throw tantrums they throw things they bite they hit mm-hmm. because they're not able to verbally express and they're getting quite frustrated that nobody's understanding them so ultimately, a child who experiences an overstimulation of, of, of information, they're feeling very frustrated because they don't know how to handle all of that.
0: Right. So this is something that affects children's teen and can continue into adulthood.
1: Yeah. So more often than not, we will notice um, childhood ADHD or ADD, um, and that might move into, let's say, the teen years, but. What we've realized is as a child gets older, their their attention or hyperactivity is more manageable. Mm -hmm. So usually more often than not, individuals that have um, or are diagnosed with ADHD as children, it doesn't really affect them as they get into their adult lives. However, when you're diagnosed with adult ADHD, it is something that's uh, consistently affecting your life as an adult.
0: Right. So can it be developed at a later stage? You're saying that, or is it something that you're born with? Is it something that, that you get triggered with and then you can get it at any stage in your life? So more often than not, we find that it, it, it is something that a child is
1: born with. Mm-hmm. However, it may not necessarily be diagnosed or um, it might ne- not necessarily affect a person's life until later stages in, the, um, in their adulthood.
0: So it can be something that triggers it and then that kind of starts it off at any stage.
1: So influence is definitely, so ultimately when we really talk about inattentiveness in general, so mm-hmm. the lack of focus is a symptom of many different mental health disorders so it's not something that's just for ADHD, so individuals that suffer from depression, from, from anxiety even from bipolarity, they also suffer from an, an ability not to pay attention and mm. not to be able to focus on whatever they're trying to do so ultimately it's not, some Sometimes adult ADHD is misdiagnosed because you know people come in and say oh we're not being able to pay attention right we're not you know focusing I used to be able to focus so well and sometimes some psychotherapists might not necessarily like do proper screening and so what will end up happening is that they'll be diagnosed with adult ADHD where it's more something on the lines of anxiety or depression mm. which is affecting their their actual uh, attention span or right. you know yeah. um,
0: there's another reason for why yes. they're not able to focus. Absolutely. So how does this get diagnosed in terms of this is normal because we all have that I mean with electronic media now and with how easily we are able to distract ourselves we all have lack of focus mm-hmm. it's not something new so you're sitting you're working you know you have a presentation coming up you know you have to work on it and then you know you're blank for let's say a minute or, or less and then first thing you do is you go onto your phone and then thinking, I'm going to just look at one message. And before you know it, you've gone on to social media, you've done 10 other things, and you've completely lost your train of thought. And you come back to your work and think, Oh, my God, I don't have any focus. Mm-hmm. And that happens to all of us. But what you're talking about is a specific disorder. So how different is that? Where you, when you experience something at that level, that's when you should be worried rather than worrying yourself and saying something is wrong with me, because you lack focus,
1: right? Of course. I mean, ultimately, it's the same thing when somebody says, to me oh I'm feeling depressed and really what they mean is they're feeling sad mm. so these are the kind of words like I said we, we use haphazardly but ultimately that they don't mean what they're supposed to mean so the when we talk about ADHD it has to present for six months and it has to cause dysfunction in a person's life mm-hmm. so be it an adult a teenager or a child it has to be causing some form of dysfunction and it has to be apparent at different settings in the in the child or the adult's life so it's not just one place so if a child is not paying attention at school or not paying attention at home that's not enough it has to be both at school and at home or for instance for an adult at work and at home mm-hmm. so the presentation needs to occur in two settings two or more settings and it ha- the symptom had to be six symptoms in a, in a span of six months, at least six months. Mm-hmm. So as you can see, it's not something that, Oh, you know, today I wasn't able to focus. I have ADD. No, that's not how this works.
0: <laughs> that's what happens, right? But and that's what we throw saying. out. It's like when people come to me and say, I forgot where my keys were. I'm like we all forget where our keys are, right? Exactly. We all lose our mobiles every day. We all lose these things. It doesn't yeah. mean it's dementia, or you know, you're losing your mind, or, right. or something is happening to you. It's just, it just happens to all of us.
1: Absolutely, and I think a lot of people are just worried about being labeled, so they they label themselves really quickly, so they yes. don't have that anxiety of somebody else being like, hmm, I think there might
0: be something there, you know? That is such an interesting point, and I and I totally agree with you on that. That people before someone else says something to me. Let me say it and let me kind of get it out there so that no one can, you know, put me down for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I do agree that people do do that. So, and they are misdiagnosing themselves. Absolutely. I mean, in general, there's
1: a lot of misdiagnosis with ADHD as well, especially with boys, because usually more often than not, we'll find that boys are over, uh, are diagnosed more than girls with ADHD. And so, you know, it depends on the culture. It depends on the psychologist and the psychiatrist, but ultimately Um, For for a mental health professional to really, truly, properly diagnose ADHD, they have to follow the actual guidelines that we have. Unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily happen. There was actually a study that was done um, where they sent out, I don't remember the exact number, Oh, they, no, they sent out case vignettes uh, of a child, you know, fulfilling some symptomologies of ADHD to about 437 psychotherapists and, and mental health professionals. And they asked them to to diagnose the child. And a good chunk of them, and I think if, if I remember correctly, it was something on the lines of like 17% of them had diagnosed the child with ADHD where, they, where the child actually didn't fit the diagnosis of ADHD so that's 17% overdiagnosis of of wow. ADHD so ultimately the issue here is is there has to be an onus on the mental health professionals to mm. diagnose it properly, but there also has to be an onus on the on parents and on, on individuals to seek second opinions. Don't mm. be shy to say, you know what, doctors are humans too and they can make mistakes. They may not necessarily know everything all the time. They might jump to conclusions. So get a second opinion because it's important, especially when you hold a diagnosis like that, because ADHD has been mis- misdiagnosed and sometimes overdiagnosed, especially in the United States the The rate I think is like up thirty percent um, from what it was about ten years ago in terms mm. of ADHD. So really, we're overdiagnosing for many reasons. Of course, there's the pharmac- uh, pharmacological aspect to it, where pharmacies are really pushing uh, mental health professionals in different countries to to you know fight for the medication that that they can give. So overdiagnose, and there's also the idea of insurance and things like that. So there are many different things, but. With mental health professionals, it's important to, like, maintain the standards that we have. So Mm -hmm. not doing your best not to misdiagnose, but definitely not over diagnosing just right. because, you know, and we do that a lot for boys because we're like, oh, this child is acting up so much or this child is, you know, so they're out of what we consider the norm. Mm. But we, for those mental health professionals that are not doing extensive background to really look into, you know, is this a symptom child, for instance, is this is a child that is suffering, are there issues at home? And then it's coming out and it's manifesting as mm-hmm. all of these different symptoms that we're not necessarily looking into. So there's a lot that needs to be taken into account before a diagnosis like ADHD is, or ADD is thrown around. And also there have been, because of the over um, overlying uh, factors between ADHD and bipolarity. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people are diagnosed with ADHD where actually they should be diagnosed with bipolarity and vice versa.
0: Right. And, and of course we have the internet to tell us that we have every single disease that can you can possibly imagine. Absolutely, I mean, it's, it's a haven. Yeah, yeah, it's a haven for <laughs> hypochondriacs because WebMD actually says that it's more common. ADHD is more common in boys than in girls, mm-hmm. and like you're saying, maybe people overdiagnose the boys because they are generally more hyper or they act out more than girls do. And, and we girls. usually, we actually socialize them to do that too. Yeah, It's interesting because like
1: people say, oh, boys will be boys, you know, boys will be exactly. hyperactive and things like that. No, actually we socialize them to do that because if a girl does it, we say to the girl, you know, like, you know, quiet down and play nicely, behave yourself. Behave yourself. Yeah, Whereas if it's boys, it's like, oh yeah, you know, let them be. And then all of a sudden we're throwing diagnosis at them. So I think a, a big part of that is how we socialize kids as well and how we look at them. Mm-hmm. But you know, in certain countries where good um, behavior, good manners are quite severely enforced um, as younger, younger children, you'll notice that misdiagnosing of ADHD is a lot less than in other places.
0: Right. Now, I did find something online which said that this can appear in toddlers, but you're saying that you would not diagnose somebody under the age of six. Oh, to be honest, I find it to be one of the most
1: what? Unprofessional and unethical things for a mental health professional to do is to diagnose a child before the age of six. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, we we there is no cookie cutter way for children to develop. Mm-hmm. And so if one child develops one way by the age of two versus the age of five, it's unfair for them to be labeled with such a heavy diagnosis just because... Um, you know, there's a, there's a difference of three years there. So I think it's very unprofessional for people to diagnose before the age of six. Mm-hmm. And there are many professionals that are, that think like me in this aspect. We wait until they're in in school where, where we can see them in a different setting where they, they are more structured. There's more rules, regulations and how they thrive in that. Because at home, usually things are not as regulated as, as parents might think they are mm-hmm. and, and structured the way they think they are. So right. ultimately you can't really Diagnose a child from just being at home and seeing, you know, things like that. And I know now a lot of kids are going to school early around three years and four years. But again, there are many different things that that a person has to take into account if they move to a new country, if this is a new school, if they have a new sibling, if there are any kind of parental difficulties at home. There's so much that can affect the way a child behaves and the way the child feels and their attention and things like that. So Mm Definitely,
0: I would never diagnose a child with ADHD before the age of six. Now, this is quite traumatic for a parent, you know, to, to have a child with any kind of mental issues. Um, and, and it's very, very difficult for them to accept. It's very difficult for them to even diagnose it themselves to say, I need to get help. Because you don't want, obviously, anything to happen to your child. You don't want to uh, label your child to say that my child is hyperactive, my child is doing this. Because we expect kids to kind of be kids. Mm -hmm. But there is a sto- social stigma where obviously once the child interacts with other kids, no matter how young they are, you start having other kids talking about that child to say that there is something different about this child. He screams a lot or he doesn't play with us. He's not a team player. And then obviously the mothers of those children start talking about that child to say, I don't want my child to associated, associate themselves with this one. And so it becomes very traumatic for a parent. So how do does a parent know that... I need to get my child help, then this is not just normal hyperactivity or just my child is slightly more active than the others. And, you know, I can fix it myself because mm-hmm. that's the first thing that you will try to do. What can I do? And and sometimes you end up isolating your child to say, I'm trying to protect my child, so I won't send them out here or I will play with them at home. And then that obviously has a worse effect on, on right. that child to say, now they don't even have a place to kind of go to and be part of... The other kids' circles. So they do feel that they are now more different than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. So what kind of signs should a person be looking for or what kind of signs when they see them, that's when they should be saying, okay, maybe I need to get an opinion? Well, I think the question that you
1: asked is sort of the answer. It has the answer within the question. The second you think to yourself that I wonder if this behavior is is natural for my child to have? Mm-hmm. I think that's when you need to go and check. And it's and I know that a lot of parents are traumatized by the idea of, of getting labeled with ADHD or anything else, but really it's just like anything else. So if like if you if you take your kid to the doctor and the doctor tells you your child has a flu, you know, or your child has diabetes or your child has high blood pressure. It's the exact same idea. There's The stigma is more within our perception than it is in anything else.
0: But we know it exists. We know that mental health is a huge issue for right. adults to talk about. Right. I mean, forget the fact that this is happening to your child, but if something happens to you, you hide it, you mask it, you try to run away from it, you say, I'm fine, nothing is wrong with me, right. I don't need help, I don't need therapy because there is a huge stigma attached to going and getting help. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people, they they talk
1: to me about social stigma and they say it's a stigma. And I say to myself, no, it's not a stigma. It's an arrogance. Mm. I believe that really we are becoming to, we are getting to the point where we're quite arrogant in thinking that our brain is not a, an organ, just like the rest of our organs and that it can dysfunction just like any other right. organ. And I feel that once we start to look at it as like, really, this is our own arrogance. This is our own so, sort of pompous self, like ego inflation Mm -hmm. that, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. Even if you have a mental health disorder, it's just something that occurs because biologically your brain is also an organ and the neurotransmitters in your brain might be affected just like any other part of your body. So Mm -hmm. ultimately when you sort of humble yourself, you understand that that social stigma that we keep talking about, it's more about our, our defense mechanism to our ego inflation. And so when we talk about, when, we, when I talk to parents and I tell them, you know, your child, for instance, when I, because I do a lot of psychoeducational assessments as well, and when I diagnose a child with ADHD, I say, this is a label for professionals so that we know how to help plan, a treatment for your child. Mm-hmm. This is not a label that signifies anything. Your child is still the same from the second they walked into the door for to the second they're walking out now with a new label. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The only thing that is different is that now we know what we need to do in order to help your child achieve their potential. And ironically, and this is something that most people don't know, that individuals with ADHD or with learning disorders, which usually are, are coupled with ADHD, mm-hmm. um, have average To above average IQ. Right. Which is which (laughs) most people don't think of. They actually have a higher IQ than a lot of individuals. And and we look down on it as sort of like, oh my God, this child has ADHD. Yeah, you should actually be like, oh my God, this child has ADHD. Like, this is an amazing thing. Lack of
0: understanding and lack of awareness. We don't, I mean, think about it. If somebody comes to you and says, I have diabetes whether you know what type of diabetes it is or what the problem is you generally know okay they shouldn't be eating this thing you know if someone comes to your house and you're you are you are hosting someone you make sure that you'll ask them what can you eat and so you prepare yourself because you have an awareness if somebody has you know an other has cancer or you understand what that person is going through, even if you don't know too much about that disease. Mm -hmm. But the minute you start talking about mental health, mental disorder, everyone thinks this person's going crazy. Right. Nobody has an understanding of what bipolar means. Nobody has an understanding of what ADD or ADHD mean. There is a general kind of negative understanding to say something is wrong with this person. Right. And that's how that person is labeled. And that's how we believe that, People will see us like that. The minute I tell somebody I have bipolar, it's not like they will understand what bipolar means. Mm-hmm. The first thing they're gonna say is, "Okay,
1: I need to stay." Are away you
0: going gonna- Yeah. Are you gonna completely go off? you right. know, and start yelling and screaming, are you going to lose control? And you know, I don't want you in a social situation with right. me. So that is really something why uh, that that we need to deal with. It's not an issue. It's just an issue because people don't know about it.
1: Yeah. They don't know. And they, and sometimes they don't care to know as well. I do Absolutely. believe like in this day and age, there's no reason for you to not be able to pick up your phone and just look online and just to read. And I know that there's a lot of negative information that's out there, but use your critical analysis and try to find the information that is, that if you don't know ask someone exactly. i mean ultimately the information is at our fingertips right now there's really no excuse for people to to be as ignorant as we used to be a long time ago mm-hmm. because we had to get up take a bus to a library go through the like the index cards to find the book to get the information that was usually outdated because it takes forever to, to publish books so the way things are now there's really no excuse for people not to have this mm-hmm. information other than they don't want the information because it, it scares them exactly and because the fear. it exactly and Absolutely. for parents that's exactly what happens with kids that have ADHD they feel like they need to justify like there's something wrong with their kid and they yes. have to be like oh you know but my child and no don't be don't be embarrassed of your child don't be shame, ashamed of what your child has there's nothing different about your child if your child has ADHD it just means they learn differently and they require different um interventions in order to, to reach the potential that everybody around them might, f- you might think they need. So ultimately, you can just educate people around them. And I find kids to be very empathetic, actually a lot more empathetic than adults at Absolutely. a younger age. Absolutely. So when you, when you, you know, as a parent, when you talk to your child's friends and you say, you know what, um, you know, my son blank uh, has, you know, has ADHD, which just means that sometimes he may not necessarily like, uh, especially if it's ADHD with like impulsivity, sometimes he might, he might interrupt you. So when he does that, can you just tell him by the way, you're interrupting me because it'll help him understand that this is what he's doing right now. And then he'll, he'll sort of calm down a bit or, Hey guys, when you, when you see that, um, your friend, my son blank is moving around a lot. Can you just get up and dance with him a bit and then sit back down? And kids will do that. They, they don't mind because they understand. Mm. But when you just don't say anything and you expect them to understand, they don't because then they get frustrated. They think the child's being, you know, mean. They think the child's being rude. They don't understand because we haven't taught them. And unfortunately, exactly. we, we think... Removing information from children or not giving them information is actually helping them where it's not. It's making it worse for them. So I think for parents and working with children, their children who have ADHD, they have to first remove their own stigma
0: Mm. um,
1: before they can really, truly help their child adjust to the environment that's around them.
0: I totally agree. When my daughter started in her foundation year in school, there was this one girl who used to cry the minute she was in the class like this is at 7 30 in the morning mm. they're all three year olds and she would not just cry quietly in a corner she would be screaming and this would go on and on and I remember after the maybe it was the second or third day uh dropping when I dropped off my daughter this this little girl is yelling and the teacher was holding her on her lap and and just getting on with the class and the mother was standing outside the door, looking through the little window, and and just almost in tears herself. And there were a few other mothers around her to say, go and get your child and take her home. You know, don't let her stay there. And uh, she was like, almost in a dilemma to say, what should I do? Should I take my child? I, You know, you almost feel like you're torturing your mm-hmm. child. So um, I, I don't know why I was just I was just standing there listening to her and and you know, seeing that she's, she's so tormented. And she actually went in and the teacher came out and said, I know how to handle her. You don't need to worry. She's going to be fine. Give her a week. And the, the the other mothers and the teacher goes back in. The girl's crying, screaming. And my daughter actually came home and said, "Oh my god, they had this girl just we can't concentrate. You've got a 3-year-old who mm-hmm. wants to play around, you know, and then you've got one child who is really, really disrupting everything, but you have a teacher who understands." And that girl was perfectly fine. In, I, I don't know if it took a week, if it took 10 days, but she was perfectly fine. Yeah. Nothing happened. And that, I think sometimes you need that one person to say, you're fine. Right. Rather than label you. If the teacher had come out and told the mother, I can't handle this child, gone to the principal and said, you know, this child needs to be in a special needs school or needs to, you know, needs right. to get checked or they need to have, they have some problems and they can't be handled, I can't handle them and they're disrupting my class and the other children are getting affected you are making things worse, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're not equipped to handle a child like that. Absolutely. I think if
1: if a teacher had said, you know, oh, I can't handle your child or take her home or whatever, I think that just... A means that she's a bad teacher, and and B it means that she doesn't possess the emotional intelligence to be a teacher for children that age. Because exactly. ultimately, and I know that sounds really harsh, but the reality is is that if you're going to work with children, you need to truly have a very high sense of emotional intelligence, mm. and you need to understand that children work differently. Everybody, not just children, but adults, all humans work differently at different paces, and you cannot expect and demand that children follow a specific path. Just because you want them to be on that path. Yes. You have to respect that everybody has different paths, but we eventually will all get to the same destination.
0: Yeah, but you do need a professional at that time to tell you, don't worry. Of course. I think the worst thing that can happen is when you go to somebody who you are seeking professional help or advice from, telling you, I can't do anything Mm -hmm. for you. I mean, that's when all the triggers in your brain for everything negative, the world is coming to an end. Because for you, if a professional who's supposed to help you says, you have a problem, I can't help you, that kind of makes it so much worse. But just that one conversation changed, I feel... A lot of things for that child, yeah. for that mother, for that family. And it's sometimes just getting the right person who can help you through whatever you're facing. And I think the more conversations we have, the more people need to understand that it's okay for you to feel whatever you're feeling rather than suppressing it and thinking someone's going to ridicule you for it or you're going to have a problem. You just need to keep finding the right person right, who can understand what problems you're going through. And I think especially for parents who have children with these kind of issues, unless they are secure to say, this is my child. Even if there is a problem, which is not a problem, it could be anything, they could have broken their leg. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not just going to abandon your child to say, oh, my child broke their leg, so right. now I'm going to let them suffer with it. So to, to to be able to understand emotionally yourself, to say, I will do what needs to be done to get this child the best life that they they I want to give them. And they deserve. Absolutely.
1: Because nobody asked you to bring a child into this world if you don't want to take care of them the way they need to. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I was reading was to, uh, was about triggers, and uh, they, there are certain common factors, um, if not triggers, uh, that that can cause these these issues to come up. That can cause the hyperactivity and the the lack of focus, and it can, it can be what was listed here was stress, poor sleep, certain additives in food, uh, overstimulation with excessive use of technology, which we're all obviously struggling with, but. Uh, Does that, is that something that you see that that can trigger a reaction in children? So I wouldn't
1: necessarily say the word trigger or cause. I would say they influence. They definitely negatively influence. So uh, the more stressed a child with ADHD or ADD is, the more anxious they are. Yes, definitely there is um, a higher percentage of them being affected in terms of school and, and work or even at at home mm-hmm. um, in terms of overstimulation yes not necessarily I, w- I wouldn't have to say only from technology it could be actually anything. be any, yeah overstimulation yeah. from anything right. um, but also uh, in terms of ADD and ADHD definitely caffeine and sugar make a big difference
0: right, yeah. right. so it is food can help you of manage the symptoms better. Of course. Better. Of course. And and what happens if you leave it untreated? Does it get worse with age? So it it doesn't the the disorder itself doesn't
1: get worse. It's just it's effect on the on your life gets worse. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if you have a child who's 7 years old who's suffering from either ADD or ADHD, um and you leave them to sort of fend for themselves. Unfortunately, what ends up happening is that people start to label them as lazy. They're not doing their work properly. They're, you know, they the teachers start to like will avoid working with them because now there's a social stigma that's attached to the child because you don't want to tell the, the teachers what's going on. You don't want to do anything about it. Um, And as the time, you know, passes, okay, as a seven-year-old, really, like, your grades don't matter, but by the time you get to high school, your child has not learned enough strategies or interventions or any kind of techniques to work around, um, uh, you know, either a lack of attention or impulsivity and hyperactivity. So it's extremely important, especially with ADD and ADHD, because their potential is very high, Mm. to to, um, diagnose it very young and start providing early intervention skills. And there are a lot of interventions that can be applied for individuals that have uh, ADD or ADHD, as well as school accommodations. So, for instance... You know, when I do the psychoeducational assessments and I diagnose somebody with ADHD, the school provides them with a separate room Mm -hmm. and a quiet area for them to do their exam away from other people so that they can focus. Uh, When they're at home, they they have a very structured life Mm -hmm. as well as... Um, Of course, they're allowed like fun time and things like that, but the overall their days are structured routine. They have a routine. They 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 thrive. They thrive thrive with routine. So they have a routine, you know, the area where they study, they, they minimize distractions, things like that. So there's a lot of uh, tips that you can help minimize. The effects that ADHD can have on a person's life. Mm. However, it's not the disorder itself doesn't get worse. It just, um, it just either affects you less or more.
0: Yeah. If not managed, because the, I, I read that there's no cure for it. Once you have it, you have it. The symptoms can be managed. Now it says here with medication, counseling, and behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. So what kind of medication would you be prescribing if it needs to be prescribed and in what situations would you need to get into medication as compared to just therapy so there are
1: many different types of uh, medication i know many of many people have heard of them things like ritalin uh, Concerta, stratera things like that but ultimately the difference between the medication is is those that are um, long lasting or like slowly releasing versus those that are not so for instance uh, medication like ritalin is given only in the moment if if need be so it lasts for about four to six hours um, whereas other medications require that the child takes them on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Whereas something, for instance, like Ritalin, you don't have to take it on the weekends, but you can take it when you're at school or when you're at home. However, these medications are, are can be highly addictive if, if somebody is not monitoring their... Um, uh, not Okay, so it's, it's not that they're addictive in the sense that a person can't stop taking them. No, of course they can. You
0: just like how you are when you're on them.
1: Right. It just becomes something that you depend on. So ultimately, um, we usually recommend for those that have mild ADD or ADHD that they're not put on medication, and only those that are moderate or severe that they are put on medication Mm. because you'll see worlds of difference when when that happens. And Mm. the medication itself is not... Bad for them, and it's not detrimental to them. It'll never hurt them. Mm. However, they just have to be cognizant on how to take it. Right. Um, but for mild ADD and ADHD, we don't usually recommend medication because we say with proper interventions and structure, that usually enough of it can be managed so that it won't affect as much as it it is currently.
0: And what kind of therapy do you need to offer children? Because obviously now children, you're talking about a child as it is who can't sit in one place, which any normal kid can't do you know and they don't understand therapy and they don't understand why they have to go to a doctor and they don't understand anything and obviously as they grow up into teens again, we come back to this whole stigma of saying you need therapy, so there's lack of understanding. So how does that therapy work with a child? Um, I wouldn't really say it's therapy as much as it's behavioral
1: modification. And so for somebody who suffers from what was known as ADD, so mostly on the inattentiveness, that wouldn't really be something they need to do. Mm -hmm. It's really more for those that are on the impulsive or hyperactive presentation. Um, And so they would go through what we call behavioral modification to ensure that They can um, self-regulate and uh, practice impulse control. Mm -hmm. And so it's not really therapy as much as it's very targeted behavioral modification.
0: Right. So that you explain to them what is happening with them, what they need to do if some these things happen and how they can control.
1: Not so much through explanations, but sometimes even through play therapy, um, through uh, art, you know, so with younger children, it's really hard to have the talk one-to-one therapy Mm. style. So Mm. usually we prefer that they go through play therapy, art therapy, um, things like that.
0: So obviously there is some um, kind of, I wouldn't say therapy, but some kind of counseling that's required for the parents right? Uh, so that they can understand what their child is going through. And At least some form of education. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what kind of do's and don'ts would you, would you say that the parents need to look out for to handle situations like that? I would say
1: the first and foremost don't is don't label. Mm-hmm. You know, don't label, don't uh, throw out words, you know, oh my God, you're so lazy, my God, you why aren't you focusing? Don't start judging. Uh, stay away from from frustration. If you're getting frustrated, deal with your own frustration. Your mm-hmm. child is not responsible for your frustration. You are. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important for, for parents to really do their best to learn how to emo- manage their own emotions so that they can model that that behavior for their children. They have to create proper structure, routine at home as well. They need to be as caring, as empathetic as they can be. Talk to your teachers, uh, talk to the teachers of your children. Don't allow the, uh, the school I mean, don't stop the school from knowing mm, just because you're right. worried about them labeling you. If yes. you're in a school where you feel like you, somebody's going to treat your child differently, you shouldn't be at that school. Yes. You should take them to another school then. Right. Um, but ultimately, the reality is is that your child is going to need the help from all different um, aspects of their life, and so that's home and at school. Mm-hmm. So, don't be shy. Talk to your parent. Uh, talk to the teachers. Talk to them about what what needs to be done. Uh, there's a lot of places that. Work specifically with individuals who have ADHD in terms of intervention and things like that. So seek help from there. Educate yourself more. Talk to your child about it as Mm -hmm. well, depending on their age, of course. But show them that there's no difference. The child Mm -hmm. that you loved the, the, the second before you found out what your child has is... Is the same child? Same,
0: absolutely. And I think that knowledge is is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Knowing, and then you can manage. It just gives you a sense of of understanding, and gives you a sense of compassion, love, empathy. To say this is okay, this yeah. is going. I, I think the more you you understand, the better you're able to cope. Absolutely. Uh, not knowing, it's like they say, right? When you're parent, for this, uh, when you have your second child, it's just easy mm-hmm. because now there isn't that fear of every single thing going wrong with your child you've gone through all of those pains the first time you know the first child is like oh my god what's happening why did he sneeze why did she do this why did she do that you know the, the why her nails not growing or why is her head this shaped by the second child you've gone through yeah. all those pains you figured it out yeah you figured it out and i think that only happens because you know better now mm-hmm. uh, nothing has changed you know, you're still going through the same issues. Your child is still going through the same issues. But now when the child goes to school and comes back with a fever, you know that this is the first time they're going outside into a, an environment where they're being exposed to germs. They've been home all this time. So you're not as anxious. Right. You manage your own emotions better when you know. And I think that that lack of knowledge is what creates so much stress in our lives that if we don't open up ourselves to just saying, so what? Mm-hmm. Okay, I have this. How am I? What am I going to do? I mean, that's the fact. You have it or your child has it is a fact. But what you do with it is how you change your life. And of I course. think that is one of the things that needs to, to happen more and more because there are so many people who are struggling with right. mental health Absolutely. issues. And, you know, going out there and getting the help you need is the most important thing that I see that even though people are talking about it, But they're they're still not ready to do it themselves. Yeah. And and that gap needs to, like, sometimes when I talk about my issues and, you know, having gone to therapy or because people ask me, why did you come on this podcast? Why do you focus on mental health? So when I start talking about my issues, they're like, you went to therapy and you're talking about it? I'm like, yeah, why not? Because I feel so much better. And I want people to know that you can feel better. You know, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to be miserable. You don't have to feel bad. You don't have right. to go through all of this on your own thinking, oh, my God, what's happening with my life? I mean, this is your life. If it can get better, why not go out there and try? You know, so I always push people to say, try. <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to happen. Finding a good therapist is like finding, you know, an amazingly new tool to kind of make your life so much better. Right. And, and I think everyone should go out there. Like, yeah, and what,
1: what most people don't realize is that therapists have therapists. Yeah, I mean because usually a lot of especially a lot of clients they'll come in to see me and they'll be like my god Dr. T like I wish we were like you you know you look like you're so well put together and I'm like yeah because I have an awesome therapist (laughs) because ultimately all therapists have therapists all the good and professional and ethical and moral ones they have their own therapist because we are human yes and all of us are affected by emotions and things in life and stress and, and it's and it's okay and I I hear this it's from a lot of people okay. as well, where they say things like, oh, I don't mind mental health. You know, I'm, I'm very open to these things and I'm open to people going to therapy. And then I say, well, have you been to therapy? No, 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 no. I'm like, exactly. well, why not? What's the difference? Oh, no, no. I mean like I'm fine. other, yeah. Other people can go,
0: but yeah, I wouldn't I, judge. I, yeah. But <laughs> I, you know,
1: I don't need it. And I'm like, nobody yes. needs therapy. Yes. You go to it because you want personal development
0: yes because nobody wants to think they're broken right nobody wants to think they have issues we're all fine everybody's born fine we're so like able to handle it and and i think that really is the issue here people see that as a weakness Mm -hmm. if you break your leg or if you end up having diabetes or cancer people are like oh my god you know you're so strong right to deal with something like that but the minute you talk about mental health it is seen as a weakness and it's because everybody thinks oh it's all in your head yes and again it's
1: because of that arrogance i really truly believe it has to do with arrogance and i know i might be sounding super harsh but the reality is i think that people are arrogant and they think that they are that their ego is so high that oh my god my brain i can control it really really can you control your heart? Can you control your liver? Because that's how much control you have over your brain.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you. And I just wish that, I mean, it's not like everyone needs to go to therapy. If they don't need it, they don't need it. But if you are not okay, if you're not happy, if you're constantly miserable, if you're criticizing yourself all the time, you know, if you have issues in your life that you cannot handle, then obviously you need to do something about yeah. it. Now, if you can do it yourself with self-help books or go and, you know, exercise or eat better and you feel better, that's fine. Yeah. But if you are, are not even able to get yourself to do anything good for yourself, you know you have a problem.
1: Right. And ultimately, you know, when people say things like, oh, you know, like there's neuroplasticity in the brain, which means, you know, that we can we can alter our brain in the way that we think yeah, to an extent, Right? And for those that don't have a strong pre- predisposition for mental health disorders, it's very easy for you to, to make that judgment. But for a lot of individuals who have predispositions, who have biological um, dysfunctions that are happening in their in their neurotransmitters, who have horrendous histories and trauma and things like that, it's so de- like demeaning and minimizing and invalidating to hear somebody say, oh, but I can control my own mental health. No, you can't control it. You yeah. think you can control it. Yeah. Just because, you know, we're trying to like boost everybody's ego by saying, oh, yes, neuroplasticity and oh, yes, thought process and oh, meditation and oh, this and oh, that it's going to change the way. No, no, no it doesn't change it. It just helps it. Yes, and because you don't have a predisposition, that is actually making a difference. But for those that have a predisposition, it doesn't make much of a difference. So when you tell somebody who's suffering from major depression, depressive disorder, or generalized anxiety, or bipolarity, or schizophrenia, you tell them, "Oh, take a walk. Yes. It'll help you." Yes. You know, sometimes I'm just like, you know, you guys, you need information, yes. and the arrogance that that people have in talking down to others that have that. It frustrates me. It's something I'm very passionate about because I feel like it's very easy for you when you're not experiencing something to judge others that are. Yes. And and
0: family plays a big part in that, especially like if you look at something like siblings or if you look at other people who have kind of grown up together and they say, we grew up in the same environment. We're completely fine. Right. We don't know why this is affecting you so much. I mean, I've had those those conversations as well to say, "I, I can't see what you're seeing you know, I, I can't, I'm not experiencing what, and even now, uh, when I'm at a stage where I can actually verbalize what I am feeling, so I don't just turn around and, and get irritated or angry, I'm just like, what am I feeling? What is causing this 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 negative emotion within me? And I can actually get to that level. So even when I am telling somebody that this is what is bothering me, they're like, we don't see it, right? So we don't understand it. You have to be you're, falling you're apart. Over exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. You have you to know, be you're falling being too apart. Emotional. Crying. Yeah, you have yeah. to
1: like have bruises on your body yeah. to experience ignore trauma. It. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god,
0: you have no idea how many times I've been told to, it. Just ignore it. <sighs> I, I love wish that I one. could. I love I that mean, one. Wouldn't I do that if I could? Like, why would I? Torture myself to kind of feel the way I'm feeling if I could handle it by just ignoring it.
1: You know, uh, there's a there's a meme that I actually have on my professional Instagram account because I love it and I feel like it it's, it vindicates a lot of individuals that that experience mental health difficulties. It says uh, something on the lines of. It's, it just has a minion next to it, but it says something on the lines of every time somebody says, um, ignore the negative thoughts when I'm depressed, I want to break their legs and say, just walk it off.
0: Absolutely. Well, <laughs> listen to the minion. <laughs> That's what I say. Minions know what they're talking about. <laughs> on that note, I'd like to say thank you so much, Dr. Theraya. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And I hope I, ha- I have a lot more conversations <laughs> yes, <definitely>. already <laughs> down on my list. So I will be seeing you very, very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. So there you have it. I hope that this inspires you to learn more about all kinds of mental health issues. And if you know somebody in your life who might be struggling with it, please go out and help them. They really need your support, your help, and not your judgment. This is Kanchan Kulkarni saying goodbye for now and speak to you again soon.